one last time. Can we pray before we begin? Let's pray. Just bow our heads. Father, Holy Father, we come to you here this morning and I'm supposed to say something one more time. Will you help me one more time, Father? And help each of us, each of these my brothers and sisters and friends here in front of me, help their ears and their hearts. One more time, Lord. Father, we want to be faithful. I so badly want to be faithful. Help us be faithful. Amen. I would like to share about one more principle, a beautiful principle that I believe the enemy is trying to rip out of the hands of the church. I think the enemy sees this principle that I'm talking about and one of the things he's doing in our day and age is trying to take it away from us. Somehow we've, it's it's become, it, it has been becoming lost. Sorry, that didn't come out right. We have been losing it. I think it's a principle we have been losing down through the ages here, the past years. And I'm concerned that this principle is coming into the church. Not only is it permeating society, but it's coming into the church also. There was a minister who had a church member quit coming to church. So he went to visit this um, one of his uh, church members there, and he went, he knocked on his door. He let him in. They went and sat down. Both of them sat beside a, a fireplace, and there was a the fire burning there, and he just sat down, and neither one of them said much for a little bit. And the minister took a little poker and pushed one of the coals off to the fire, off to the edge of the fire this glowing coal, and he pushed it off to the edge and they just sat there in silence a while and the coal slowly got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and just about died. Then he nudged the coal back in with the rest of the fire and after a little bit it began to get red and glow again. The minister stood up and went home. Do you get it? When we're pulled off all by ourselves, we lose out. And if, here's a little saying that I wish you'd write down. It's very simple and you'll think you shouldn't write it down, but write it down anyway and you keep thinking on it. We're not as spiritual as we think we are. Just write that down and you ponder that. And as you go through life and you watch yourself, And you watch people. Could you just remember that little saying? We were sitting in a group. We are not as spiritual as we think we are. We were sitting in a group, I think it was Wednesday night, after going home from the meeting here, and we began talking. And we were just talking about various principles. No, let's see. Brother Amos, I believe, asked the question. He said, so what is your vision to 
Young men were sitting around there. What's your vision? We've seen people go off to the side. We've seen people err. We've seen people slowly lay aside principles of the Word of God. We've seen people change. And it's just very common. What's your vision? What's going to be different in your life so that you don't do the same thing and follow the same path? Excellent question. We began discussing it back and forth. And I told them, well, I'm going to share some of this, some of my opinion on Friday. And I said, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. We're just not. Don't you think? I want you each to think of a young person who's not doing so well. You can probably each think of them. And spiritually, before God, before the church, they're not doing so well. They're making choices that aren't the best. They're beginning to head down a road that is not, that is scary. And some of us tremble a little bit for them. Just ponder that young person in your mind and think about them. Now, don't you think that if we would, if that young person would allow Brother John to make decisions for them the next year, just one next year, Instead of them making their own decisions and their own choices, it's not possible in the human life, but we could transfer the decision-making in everyday life over to Brother John. And so now he begins to make decisions for this young person. And not against this young person's will, they, you know, they're going to do what he says. What do you think would happen one year from now? What do you think they'd look like? What would happen to their lives? What would change? Don't you think in one year they would be prospering? I don't doubt it. And I'm just using Brother John as an example here. I have the oldest man in the room here. Well, you can use others. And maybe, I told them, maybe I think I'm too spiritual too. And I'm still not understanding this principle. But I tend to think if they just let me make some decisions for them, they'd even be better off. Is it possible that it's that way in my life too? And in your life? Maybe you don't see yourself quite like you pictured and I threw out a struggling young person and you pictured whoever you pictured, I'm not sure. But is it possible that it's the same with me and it's the same with you? That if we actually had the wisdom enough to say, I'll let you make some of my decisions and you're choosing the right person. That's why I use Brother John here. You make the decisions for me for the next year. What would happen in your life? What would change? There's a principle here that is very difficult for us to grasp and very difficult, I shouldn't say grasp, for us to do. Because that isn't the way God made us. He made us each have to make our own decisions. But I believe there's a principle that works with this very illustration in our lives and can work for your benefit and my benefit, this very illustration. And in a sense, we can hand over some decision-making to more maturity. And that will help us especially through our formative young years. I went way off my notes here. The title this morning is Lost. We're still using this principle of the losing path. It's lost with others. 
And I wrestled with with. I could have put a lot of different uh, pronouns or uh, prepositions, I mean, in there. And I, I wrestled with a few. So I, with may not be the best. Lost with others. And at the, the, the subtitle underneath there, I want you to put fellowship and fellowship. Fellowship and fellowship. We're not as spiritual as we think we are. And I believe, especially us young people. And okay, so I'm 20 years more than you are, but if you remember, I'm way more than 20 years younger than Brother John, so I fit in your category here this morning. So I may say us and we, but I mean us young people. We're not as spiritual as we think we are, and God knew that, and He made a way to help us. The world continues to go more and more towards individualism, and we are bombarded with that influence, and we continue to go that way. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. As we, I understand, as we go from child to adult, and I think I've mentioned to my own boys at times, um, son, Whenever I know you can learn to make the right decisions, I'll, make, I'll let you make them. But when I'm not sure which one you'll make, I might make them yet. It's that simple. When I know you'll begin to make the right decision, then you can make it. And I realize things change. But as we grow, and we're going from child to youth to adult, in there is a sense of desire to make our own decisions. This affects me. And I care about me and the results of me. And what I'm trying to say is that saving path of me doesn't end up where we want it to. And so we think we're choosing this path sometimes, but what I want us to remember is we're not as spiritual as we think we are. We need help more than we think we do. I do. Proverbs chapter 1. Just read the beginning of Proverbs chapter 1 here a little bit. The Proverbs of Solomon, verse 1, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Here's a principle here. Jump to verse 4 real quickly here. To give subtlety, or may I say wisdom, prudence, discretion. Those are also words um, used to define that. Hebrew explanation, to give subtlety to the simple. So I'm just going to use prudence there. But what we have is we have people that are simple. And do you know what they need? They need prudence. If we go on, it says to the young man. So we also have... Young man needs what? Knowledge and discretion. 
and I'm just going to shorten this here. The young man needs knowledge and discretion. A wise man, verse 5, will hear and increase learning. So even a wise man will increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. And so then we have a man of understanding counsel. There's a principle here that if you'll notice, we have the simple, meaning not very knowledgeable. We're just a little simple. We have the young man. We also have the wise man and the man of understanding. And they're all in the same boat. They need the same thing. But do you know what they'll do? They need prudence. They need discretion. They need learning. And they need counsel. All of these get tagged on the person that has a need for this category. And so, as a young man, if we are seeking for prudence, discretion, learning, and counsel, it puts us with the wise. And even the simple can be with the wise and can be with the understanding. Proverbs is saying, verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father. Listen to the instruction of your father. Forsake not the law of your mother. Again, there's a simple principle And what I want us to see is there's a transfer, and and we can put an arrow, arrow on both ways. There's a transfer from one person to the other, and this wisdom and knowledge and counsel and prudence and discretion and learning is going this way. Somehow, in our concepts of spirituality, and I believe it's the influence of all of society around us, we began to think that we in and of ourselves are spiritual enough as long as we have this connection with God. And I don't believe any of us here really think that's all we need. I really don't. I know that. But I do think that this principle has permeated and influenced us and we begin to minimize this principle. And fellowship and fellowship begin, the necessity of them begins to diminish. <clears throat> I had the privilege the other last week, one evening, sitting with um, Brother Chad, his wife, and another couple. And this couple is wrestling. They're, they, they're coming, they're looking for some truth, they're looking for answers, and they're wrestling with some principles in the Word. And we sat and shared and talked and I felt for them. They feel kind of alone. And they are kind of alone. And they're searching for answers. And my burden and my even, as we talked, I even shared this with them. I said, my concern is, one of them is, that if you are just relying here, this is very, very dangerous. We're not as spiritual as we think we are. We need each other. We need help. And sometimes, and and that path many times looks more difficult than this path. I've pondered that song. You know, we sing, um, though no one join me, still I will follow. 
Though no one join me, still I will follow. And we sing that, and I've just pondered that before. Um, that sounds really nice, and I'm, I'm okay with the song, because by God's grace, if we're stuck in a prison cell, and there's no one around us, and we're all by ourselves, I believe grace will be there for us to follow Christ. If we have been used to availing ourselves of grace, grace will be there, and we'll avail ourselves of grace. But... To sing that in a setting like this, in amongst my church, sometimes I wonder, is that balanced? I think it feeds sometimes our individual individuality, and we're sitting in a brother's meeting, and the inside of our heart says, though no one join me, still I'll follow you, Lord, and I stand on my own two feet. You know what I'm saying? Just the principle. And we're sitting with a group, and I'm going to be faithful. We're not as spiritual as we think we are. Be careful. <clears throat> I want to ponder the subtitle, those two terms, just a little bit here. Followship and fellowship. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Believe this is a principle that we are forgetting. We are losing this concept. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 says, and we desire, Hebrews 6, verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end that, and this is the diligence we want to see in you, ye be not slothful, but, what? Followers of Jesus. Is that what it says? Yes or no? no. That's not what it says. It says, followers of of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, please, I, I'm not taking away from following Jesus. I hope you understand that. That one is there. <clears throat> I do not want to take away, so maybe I shouldn't have made that comment the way I did, but I want us to realize the Bible says to follow men. Did you know that? That almost feels a little heretical to some of us sometimes. Followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Do you see someone who has inherited some promises? Brother John's cloud up here. All the grace and the power of God that's available. And you see someone and you can tell there's grace flowing in their lives. Follow them. You see their life flowing out with fruits of God working in their hearts and lives. Follow them. The Hebrew writer says, Don't be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I am a product of other people. My parents did beyond what I know how to say for me, and I'm so, so grateful. I've had other people pour into me too and influence and help and teach and guide and say, Nick, how you doing? I remember one brother, it, it was such a blessing to me. I felt like not a lot of people... Um, did spoke into my life and he sat down with me and he said, Mick, how are you doing? I would have been 18, I don't know, something like that. It meant something to me. He cared about me. I respected him. I still do. I'm a product of others pouring into my life. And whether you know it or not, you're a product. You're mostly a product of what others, others influence on you. We're not as spiritual as we think we are if we think it just is mostly coming from God. We're mostly products of other people. 
The question is not if you're a product of others, but whose product are you? The question is not whether you're a product of others. And I realize God influences, and we're so thankful for the Spirit of God, and this message is not balanced. I'm just looking at the other side because I feel it's weak and very, very important, especially for us young people. The question is not if you're a product of others, but whose product are you? Fellowship and followship direct us majorly. Jump over to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Fellowship. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Do you see the manner of life they're living? Is it flowing with fruits? Is it flowing with the principles of God? And out of it are flowing so, is flowing so much beauty? Follow them. Look at what they do. Mark it down. <clears throat> and follow their faith. And one more, there, there are many of them. I'm going to skip that. Do you see that principle? Followship. We'll talk about it a little bit more. But I just wanted to give us a brief glimpse and snapshot. Followship. It's a principle that we need to use. Fellowship. I'm just going to read a few verses here. I'm going to uh, quit early today. You, have a, you need a longer break here. Fellowship. Ephesians 5 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So, make sure there's not fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And 1 John. Let's do turn to that one. 1 John. Fellowship. Fellowship. First John chapter 1. And verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. But we may have fellowship with us. We know our fellowship is here with the Father and with His Son. But you need the fellowship with us and we need the fellowship with you. <clears throat> This then is the message. Oh, sorry, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message, verse 5, which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. And we see the fellowship that happens, yes, with the Father and with His Son. And we see the fellowship one with another. And this is all tied together. And it needs to be tied together. And when we try to separate it and, and think we're spiritual enough that we don't need this so badly and we'll stick with this, it doesn't work. It's not the way the Christian life is supposed to work. We're supposed to have fellowship one with another. <clears throat> this concept of <clears throat> thinking I can get answers here without so much here is a, is a deadly lie. 
It really, really is. It's a deadly, choking lie. We need others. And the tendency, especially in us young people, we don't see this principle because we have blinders on. We see so few years. And we can't see broad enough, and we don't have the decades behind us to see, oh, results, consequences of choices, happenings, people, earnest hearts, losing their way, all these things. We don't have that. But what I want to encourage us is God has made a way for us so that we can have that. Just listen to this little poem. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. That sullen stream had no fears for him. But he turned when he reached the other side. And he built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength in building here. Your journey will end. At the ending day, you never again must pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build a bridge at even tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, He said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. And do we ever in our own spirituality think, "Um, no thanks, church, no thanks, dad. I'll go down there and cross the river myself. Is that stupid or what? But somehow we think we're spiritual enough that we can't look to the gray-haired man who went before and say, how do I cross this chasm? You've done it. You've been there before. But somehow, I guess I think I can handle it. That is foolish. Can you not agree with me? That's foolishness. The beauty I see in this little poem here of the builder who comes across and then he looks back and he says, that's a bit dangerous. And he labors and he works and he labors and he works. And do you know our parents and our leaders and our brothers and our sisters, they labor and they work and they weep and they pray and they're burdened. Dare we come up to the river and say, oh, I think I can handle this. We tend to think we're more spiritual than we really are. Can we not see the beauty of this fellowship principle? God has given us the ability in our youth to have tremendous wisdom so that we don't have to figure it all out ourselves, And he has an old man that's crossed the sullen tide, and he labored and built. and, And now he says, young man, let me give you some wisdom. Here's some safety. Go ride across this bridge. I labored for that bridge, young man, young lady. And then we sit there and we struggle. 
And we think, oh, but that'll be difficult. It's not what I wanted. I, I, I don't like it. It, looks, it doesn't look like what, I'm, what I think is best. And, and it, it doesn't... I thought when um, Brother Brandon was sharing last night, maybe I don't need to share anything, but I'm going to anyway. A little different perspective. Fellowship. The beauty and power and safety of a principle that we so easily, easily seems to be slipping, especially in our day. I want us just to look. I'm just going to jump over a few things here. I want us to look at 12 little scenes. As I think of this principle of fellowship, fellowship, our need, and the blessing that God has given of others. Genesis, snapshot number one, Genesis 18, 19. Maybe just before I begin, um, just I have also pondered the principle. This concept of fellowship is getting put aside in the world for various reasons. One is knowledge is abounding, and the tendency is, well, if I don't know how to do something, I'll figure it out myself. In the past, if you wanted to be a carpenter, do you know what you needed to do? Go live with a carpenter. And you became his, what's that term I'm looking for? Apprentice. Thank you. You became his apprentice. And you probably started sweeping the shop, but as you did, you began to see your surroundings, you began to see the different tools hanging around, and you watched as the master craftsman used the tools, and you began to learn. And after a while, he would say, come over here and hold this board, and now you hold this saw, and whoops, there, here, let me help you there, you didn't quite do it right. And we call that apprenticeship. If you wanted to be a master craftsman, you went and you learned from him. If you decided you wanted to be a tailor, seamstress, You went and you sat with someone else. They had what you needed and they could begin to say, look, do like this. And this is how you hold it. And this is how you cut it. And if you need it a little broader here or a little shorter, a little longer, this is how you do it. And you fold it like this and you cut it like this. And and you learned as an apprentice. That's fellowship. In today's day and age, the common thing is, well, if I don't know, I'll figure it out myself. Grab a book or Google or whatever. And so the we continue to build, the world is building more and more independence and an independent concept. I can handle this. I can figure it out. I can go get what I need. And it's centered around me. And that's the same thing coming into the church. As we say, oh, I can figure this out. I can cross that chasm. I can handle youth. That's foolish. Okay, these 12 snapshots of this concept of Fellowship and fellowship and the need of others. Genesis chapter 18, snapshot number one here. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. For I know him, Abraham, God speaking, I know Abraham. Not I know Isaac, that he'll make right decisions. That's not what he said. He said, I know Abraham. He will command his children and his household after him. He didn't say, oh, I know Isaac. He'll choose the right ways. No, he said, I know Abraham. He will command his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. I know Abraham. Abraham will be a mentor. 
Abraham will guide. Abraham will show him the way. Flip on over to Genesis 22. Just a couple pages here. 22, 6 through 9. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they both went with them together. Here's Abraham and Isaac. We know they're headed up the mountain. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, verse 7, his father, and said, My father, here I am. Uh, And my father, he said, here I am. Uh, Sorry. Here am I, my son. Abraham responds. And he said, Behold, father, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Here's a young man who Abraham had taken him and said, Here, here, uh, Isaac, carry this wood. And he put the wood on him. And he began to do what he was told. Here, Abraham, take this wood. Father, um, here's the wood, and you have the fire, and, but where's the lamb? My son, Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both, so they went, both of them, together. Well, wait a minute, Abraham, wait a minute, Father, listen, I don't understand this, this doesn't make sense. You have fire and you have wood. Where's the offering, Father? I mean, let's, let's be reasonable. I'm, I'm an adult here. I can see and I can think and I have the... But that's, not what he, that's not what it says here. Father, where's the offering? Uh, son, God will take care of that. Okay, Father. Father, we've got a, we've got a chasm here and, and I don't know how to cross this. This doesn't make sense. Be realistic. I can see it with my own two eyes. Son... Would you walk across the bridge? Yes, Father. I'll walk across the bridge. There was a path there. Abraham was teaching his son. There was fellowship involved. And Isaac followed across the bridge the way he was supposed to. Snapshot number two. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 21. We know the verses in Exodus and Ephesians, Honor thy father and thy mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Here in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, If a man have a stubborn and a rebellious son, which will not obey God's voice. Is that what it says? Which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother. And that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them. In other words, here you have a father who's saying, Son, I'm guiding. This is how you hold the saw. This is how you saw through things. Son, here's the bridge. Walk across it. And this son says, not going to do it. I don't like fellowship. I can use my own mind. I can think. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious, will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard, and all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. Was he stoned because he didn't obey the voice of God as God was speaking to him? Or was it coming through this channel that somehow from others we we sometimes think we're too spiritual and we don't like that channel. 
Son, walk across the bridge. Uh, no thanks. I'm going to try to wade the stream myself. It does, let's be reason. Snapshot number three. Leviticus. I'm just going to keep you turning here. Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 32. And if a... I'm sorry. Verse 32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. That is a command of God. Honor the hoary head. And you come to a stream and the hoary head says, young man, young ladies, here's a bridge. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, Isaac did say, "Um, Father, I'm not understanding. But you know what he did in the end? He still didn't understand, but he said, okay. I realize... Um, I realize there are, and there have been, we had that question yesterday when authorities abuse their authority. And I realize that's a common wrestle because this principle is here. But I want us, each of us, to walk out with a heart that says, I want to learn as a, um, I'm sorry, the one under, apprentice, thank you. I want to learn as an apprentice. And I have an apprentice heart. And so I take that concept and I want to learn fellowship and I know I need fellowship. Lamentations, uh, honor the hoary head. Lamentations says the same thing. Um, Zechariah has it also. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip, keep going here. Snapshot number four. <clears throat> In 1 Kings 12, okay, you all looked at that one already also. We have uh, Rehoboam. And he made his choices. And he said, all right, um, How do we cross this stream? We have a stream to cross. And so he brought it before the old men. He brought it before the young men. And the old men have said, Rehoboam, um, we've built a bridge here. This is what we think you should do. We've walked across this stream. There's wisdom here. What Rehoboam didn't know is that he's walking with blinders. And from his perspective, the way he sees it, he has a better place across the stream. Can we accept here this morning that we as young people have blinders? We do. We aren't as spiritual as we think we are. And I don't mean that to degrade you or myself. We don't have the experience. And even the old men, do you know what? They know this. I like old men. I've sat with numerous of them, asked questions. I remember very clearly one who's passed away now. But I sat with him and I put some what I thought were hard questions and he must have thought so too because he looked back at me and said, Mick, I don't know. Mick, I don't know. I said, wait a minute. And I didn't use the bridge builder illustration, but I said, "Um, you have to have answers for me. Don't expect me to know if you don't know. And the point was, "Um, wait a minute, you've walked across this stream. What, What are some beams that you see that are across there? And he looked back again and said, I don't know. It seems like sometimes the older we get, the more we realize we're not as spiritual as we think we are. Thank you. Can't argue with that. Okay, that was Rehoboam. I'll just, we'll jump over that. Good, uh, snapshot number five. Second Kings 2.14. 
apprentice, mentor. Second Kings fellowship, chapter twelve. I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter two. <clears throat> Verse 14. Verse 13. He took up also the mantle of Elijah, this is Elisha, that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Here he is at a stream. And Elisha is having to decide how to cross this stream. And he took the mantle of Elijah, the bridge that Elijah went across, that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where's Elijah's God? I am wanting to follow in the footsteps of my teacher. I'm wanting to show fellowship. Elisha had a heart and he wanted to follow the one who had led him up to this point. And he says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? Again, there was this concept in their minds. I am following principles that have been handed down to me. And he was a full-grown man. He wasn't a youth. He He was younger, for sure. I guess I don't know how old he was off the top of my head, so maybe I said that too quickly. Where is Elijah's God? My mentor, the one who's been training me, the one who's been influencing me. Snapshot number six. Second Kings, turn over just a couple pages to chapter 6. Second Kings 6, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. Elisha, we would like to change our setting here. They came with a request. Elisha said, Sure, go. And he said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, Oh, and they said, so they responded, Elisha, please, would you come with us? Isn't that beautiful? And I know it's just a picture of going and chopping down trees. But Elisha, would you come with us? Would you join us with this project? Here you are, you're the teacher, and we are the sons of the prophets. These were people who had come to the prophets and said, We want to learn from you. And they put themselves under and said, teach us, show us the way, where's the bridge, how's the bridge, what's right, what's wrong, Elisha, teach us. And they were there underneath his tutorship. And even when we're going to go and build a bigger place, come with us, Elisha. I think the concept of mentorship or teacher and the word I keep forgetting, thank you, apprentice. I'm okay with forgetting because I think you'll remember it now. I make you keep saying it. This concept of teacher and apprentice, mentor and follower, fellowship principle has ever been down through God's heart as He teaches, goes from man to man. We're not supposed to have to figure it all out ourselves. The sons of the prophets here, and we'll stop there. You can read on and learn about that concept where you have a teacher and you have apprentices underneath this mentor. Proverbs, I went through Proverbs a while back. We just read uh, 1.8. And I marked down for myself, I marked every place in my Bible through Proverbs where it talks about, Son, hear my instruction. 
It doesn't say here God's instruction. It says here my instruction. And there are many, many verses. You probably can't see them at the top of my page there, but many of them scribbled up there. Hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. That's a father to a son. That's an older to a younger. My son, forget not. I'm just flipping through because I haven't marked in my Bible. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings and the years of thy life shall be many. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth and say, how have I hated instruction? My heart despised reproof. I'm just reading down through and I'm skipping some too. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Give instruction. Instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. And we can go on and on and on. Do we get it? As young men, as young ladies, we're being given the way to not have to walk with blinders. We can pull the blinders off by saying, fathers, mothers, elders, leaders, brothers, sisters, what do you think about this stream? Okay, I'll lose myself, my intellect, my perspective, and I'll say, I'll hear what you're saying. And it takes blinders off. Is it a losing path? Yeah, it takes some losing. Lost with others. Snapshot number eight. Um, I'll just mention this one instead of going to some Scriptures here. Jesus and His disciples, He was a master mentor. He took 12 men with Him for three years or more, and He walked with them and taught them and mentored them. And then He told us to go and do the same thing. Do the same thing. Matthew 28 and various other places. Snapshot number 9. The apostles were examples to us. Do you know how many people we can find that Paul took with him? I don't know for sure, but it's easy to find at least Silas, Timothy, Titus, Epaphroditus, Archippus, Aristarchus, Tychicus, and I think there's a few more. He took these people with Him. And they went with Him. And they learned from Him. And as He was preaching and spreading the Gospel and setting up churches and helping the churches be established, He also would leave some of these young men. Now, you stay there. You know what I've taught. Continue on with it. And you go over here and do this and do that. And you do this and you... Uh, But Paul, and maybe I'm sure they had conversations, but I don't understand. Just do it. There's a place to come under and follow. Barnabas seems to have taken Paul and John Mark and Peter. When he went to Joppa, he took certain brethren with him. And it seems that there was a heart there of the concept of mentorship. Snapshot number 10. Excuse me here for just roaring through this. but um, Number 10 is the principle of following men I keep mentioning here. 1 Timothy says, Be thou an example of the believers. Philippians, As ye seen in me, do. Timothy, that, me, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth a pattern for you to follow. A pattern. Ye became followers of us, that ye might be in samples, examples to others. Followship. Mark the perfect man. Mark him. 
Note him. Walk about Zion. Walk about church and church history and see what God has done through men. And follow what you learn. Be in samples to the flock. And in sample unto you to follow us. These are just verses here. Your zeal, Corinthians, hath provoked very many. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches. I beseech you, be, be ye followers of me. Let's... Let, This principle of following and learning from men is so, so clear. He instructs snapshot number 11. He instructs um, leaders, Timothy, Titus, instruct, rebuke, and teach. That's your responsibility. And we know that, and it seems so simple. Hebrews 11, snapshot number 12. Hebrews 11. All these men, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Not just God, but we have witnesses and we have other men who have gone before because we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's follow on. Let's see how they walked across their bridge and let's faithfully follow across that same path. Can Can you not see with me this beautiful thing of fellowship and fellowship as a guide and a blinder removal and as a bridge builder. I'm not very old, but I've already seen in just a few decades of watching people. I've already seen so many people go off the path here. Burdened hearts. In fact, I've almost wished in the past, I'm sure I have, I was a little more gifted and a little more a little more smarter. But as I look back, I realize some of my dear, gifted, smart friends didn't make it because they seemed to be able to trust themselves a little more. And a little bit of weakness helps us realize, I can't do it. And there's strength in that. And so, you know, I'm almost thankful that I'm just who I am and not a little bit more of whatever. So it helps me to see I need others. I don't have it all figured out. I know we know we don't have it figured out, but could you remember in the upcoming days and the upcoming years when you come up to something and you realize there's some counsel, whether it's from the brotherhood or it's from a leader or it's from a, even a boss or a fellowship. You're not as wise and understanding as we think we are. We're just not. We need others. Fellowship is a beautiful principle that the world is casting off and it's influencing us and it burdens me. So how do we put this into everyday life? 11 points. Humble yourself and realize your need of input of others. Just humble yourself. You're not as smart and spiritual as you think you are. Just humble yourself. We need others. Number two, would you learn to take instruction and correction? Don't see some correction or instruction as devastating. Oh, I'm a failure. No, don't look at it that way. Look at it as, oh, I'm getting some help here. Help is coming my way when someone gives correction, instruction, or rebuke. Grab it! It's for our good. It's wonderful. It's to help us. 
<clears throat> see it as stepping stones forward across this river. Not as stones flying down to tear me down. The majority of the hearts of our leaders and our brothers and our families and our authorities, they want to help us. Not beat us down the way it feels sometimes. We need to be willing to lose. And again, I realize there's, there is some abuse to this. I'm not touching that because I feel like in general, if we take this kind of a heart and with a holy carefulness walk forward and realize the beauty of fellowship is desperately needed. Number three, young people, ask your parents and leaders for input in your life. Ask them, what do you see in my life? What would be good for me to grow in? Where do you see there needs to be some change? Or I'm immature. Or ask them. Go push yourself forward and sit at their feet and say, help me. I need help. Number four, if old men put a question mark on something in your life, be very, very, very slow to do otherwise. If sometimes they don't say no, but they just put question marks, be slow to go against it. If they say no, that might be clear. But this, those question marks, be slow. Number five, watch men. Watch them. Watch men and women that you see fruit flowing out of their lives and watch their lives. How do they walk and how do they talk and how do they dress and where do they go and what do they do, what don't they do? Watch them and begin to put those things into your life. Mark character qualities and seek to put them into your life. Number six, note cause and effect. Cause You do something, affect the result of it. People make these choices, this is where they end up. People do these kind of things, that's the kind of person they are. In general, these things guide us and form us. Note cause and effect in people's choices, demeanors, attitudes, words, actions. Note cause and an effect, and sometimes the effect is a little prolonged. I think Brother John D. mentioned that. Sometimes it's a little prolonged, but just watch. That's how we can gain some wisdom. <clears throat> Number seven, I hope this doesn't stumble someone, but mostly get rid of excuses about personality. Mostly get rid of that. I know you're different than me, and you're made different than me. But just because you have a personality that's good with relating people and I don't, I don't say, okay, I guess I'm not good with relating to people. That's your personality, not mine. No. I realize we have different things that are easy and different things that are hard. But if someone has what you call a personality trait that is like Jesus, begin to copy it and pursue it, and it might be twice as hard for you, sure, because the personality is different. But I feel like too many times those excuses... Get stuck in there. <clears throat> and I don't know for sure how, what all the personality buzz has done around here, but <clears throat> I feel like sometimes it's doing some damage. Well, that's not my personality, and so I go on with all my weaknesses and strengths and don't learn from somebody else's weaknesses and strengths and put energy into it. Number eight, read solid books about others who lived holy lives. Do some of that carefully and guided by 
your authorities and others. Books were a major influence in my life. And they are in all of us, those of us who read. So do it carefully. We're allowing influence to come in and people who are going to guide us and we're not as spiritual as we think we are. So the concept of, oh, I'll chew on the meat and spit out the bones, that's a little bit dangerous. I know some of that has to happen, but it's a little dangerous, especially for us young people. So be careful with that one. But do. Read solid ones. Maybe I said this before, nine. It's a little different here. Pursue godly men and ask them questions about their burdens and their perspectives and their visions. I think I mentioned ask them to speak into your life. But ask them their perspectives, their burdens, their visions. How do they see things? What's their perspective? How do they see them? Grab fellowship and let's use it. It's beautiful and helpful to us. Number 10, don't take lightly comments about needs or weaknesses in your life. Don't take those lightly. Sure, we have needs and weaknesses, but grab them and say, Lord, help me. I need to grow in this area. I need to grow in that area. And number 11, don't let the old men sit in the corner and fret and stew and wring their hands. Let's not do it. If they're fretting and stewing as they're watching us and we're coming up to streams and they're wringing their hands and their heart is saying, listen, there's a bridge. I helped build it. Others have helped build it. Cross the bridge. And they're wringing their hands. It's folly of us to continue across the stream thinking we can handle it. Fellowship and fellowship. A bit of a forgotten or forgetting path of the church today. Let's not lose this principle. We need it. My dear brothers and sisters, let's be lost. Be willing to make ourselves lost in and with others. We need fellowship and fellowship. In fact, we're products of it whether we realize it or not. We're mostly products of it anyway. So whose product do you want to be? Would you remember you're not as spiritual? Help me remember. Let's remember we're not as spiritual all by ourselves as we think we are. I'm done. God bless you all. I um, love and care about you all. I really do. God bless you as you go forward and be with you. Thank you for your hearts and your listening and can we just pray? Oh Father, would you please help us We're a group of young people and we want to follow you and we want to be faithful. Help us, Lord, to learn these principles from your word. And, you know, this one is a burden on my heart, our uh, lack of fellowship. So help us, Father. Help us to love and realize the beauty of being lost with and in others. Bless us, Father, without your blessing, we're going to fail. And we want to be faithful in our generation and carry our torch the best that we can. Help us, Father. Help us and thank you that you will. In Jesus, through Jesus, the only way we pray.
Amen. I um, just wanted to share one more simple little thing with you. Um, we have um, two minutes here. I have a little program that I put together a few years ago as some young men came and asked me to help them um, <clears throat> discipling, giving them direction on how to seek God and study. And I call it disciple. I think there's a couple of you who do know about it and have uh, used it some. Um, <clears throat> but it was just back and forth as I was in Africa and wherever I was, back and forth, email, phones, um, mostly, and not as much face-to-face. But it gave you direction and some things to study and pursue, a book to read, a study to do, um, and direction on how to study the Bible, and, you know, just a few things. And we'd take a topic monthly. But my, I have just had a burden the past few years, I haven't pushed it very hard, that it needs more face-to-face contact and brother-to-brother and some more fellowship and fellowship in this. Um, and so as I talked with the brothers uh, at home in Danby and with Brother Leonard, um, we were encouraged and, and blessed and to, try to put forth the opportunity to do just a little four-month study. You would just be committing to four months, and we would get together monthly. So it would take a little bit of travel, whether I come down here some, some of the brothers come down, or some of you come up there, some of both of that may happen. But I'm going to throw it out here. If there's interest in you young men, send me an email. Um, don't do to my face so that I don't forget. Do an email. My email's on that list. Is that right? That list of all, all everyone's phone numbers and stuff? Or is there not email on there? If there's not, um, you can tell me face-to-face and I'll try to write it down. Or give me a call. But if you'd be interested, this is my thought. I will, if you're interested at all, let me know. I will send out um, some info on more what it would be. A commit for just over this winter, four months. And um, we work on things and, and uh, study things together for a month and then get together with some discussion, talk. Um, and then preparing for the next month. And then as we go through life, we'd work through the next month uh, would be another topic. Is that vaguely understood enough? If you have um, more questions, you can come to me. But if there's enough interest, uh, we thought we might do that this month. Again, it's kind of based on some things I've put together in the past years and studies, but with some face-to-face contact. So let me know. I'll send out some info before you need to make a commitment. And then you can look over that info and decide if we want to do that. So, God bless you all. God bless you all. I um, do carry a burden for you, and so sometimes I don't know if I have the right balance, but I'm burdened. And I get to the end of Bible school, and, okay, I did my part. So, God bless you all. I um, love you all, appreciate you all. Let's press on for him. Together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>